The Jason Stafford novels from author Michael Sears just keep getting better. His latest, Saving Jason, combines a compelling story with a unique father-son dynamic that brings this reader back again and again. In a world where hundreds of new books are released every day, how can readers find yours? I'm Stephen Campbell. I'm the CEO of Camven Media. What we do is provide digital assets and strategies to help authors find and keep new readers and fans. That's the way I pay the bills. But in this show, you and I indulge our shared love of mysteries and crime novels by spending time with the people who write them. Are you ready? Let's get this show rolling. Hey there. Welcome back to CrimeFiction.fm. Michael Sears is a former Wall Street hotshot who writes about a character who is a former Wall Street hotshot. But unlike Michael, his protagonist, Jason Stafford, made a big mistake that cost him his career. After being released from prison, he finds himself uniquely qualified to investigate high-level financial shenanigans. Don't you love that word, shenanigans? And that's the basis for this series, those high-level shenanigans. But what makes Jason so unique is the relationship he has with his autistic son. As you'll hear in the interview, it's one of the reasons I keep coming back to the series. And interestingly enough, it's the it's Michael's favorite part of the series to write as well. So we'll be chatting about the book, Saving Jason, which is being released today. Congratulations, Michael, on that. Uh, the response he's received from parents of autistic children, which has been extremely positive, and how he managed to find guest-starring roles on every single soap opera filmed in New York City before finally moving on to Wall Street. All right, let's get to the interview. Michael, welcome back to CrimeFiction.fm. Thank you for having me back, Stephen. It's great to be with you again. I Let me just let listeners know that I love this series. I, I'm a fan of financial thrillers. Uh, these are thrillers with sort of a financial twist, so I'm, I'm drawn to these. I, I love the character of, of Jason, and I think they just keep getting better and better. So with, with that as, as background, I'm a huge fan. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the series before we get into actu the actual book we're talking about today, Saving Jason. So walk us through the sort of the world that you've created for uh, Jason Stafford. Great. Um, Jason Stafford was a, a Wall Street uh, hotshot trader, trading manager, and, um, and he made a mistake and he let the mistake balloon, and he promoted it, and it turned into a major financial fraud, and he went to prison for that. Um, when we first meet him in the first book in the series, Black Fridays, he has just come out of prison, and the only work that he can find is investigating fraud at other Wall Street firms. And that is, that's, that's the basis of, of the series. Um, in addition to that, um, he soon becomes the... Uh, by his own choice, the, the single parent of his uh, five-year-old autistic son, a challenge that he had not thought about at all in the, in the, before he did it. And, uh, and that's a, an ongoing challenge for him throughout the series, their relationship. And that's one of the delights of the series, the, the relationship between father and son and being able to sort of be inside his mind while he's dealing with these struggles and, and as readers or as, as a reader, I'm always thinking, how would I handle this? How would I handle that? And oh my God, I can't believe that happened. 
um, kinds of kinds of things. The 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 father son part of the book is the most fun for me to write. It's it's the um, it, it it's it's the real meat of it uh, for me mm-hmm. and for many of my readers, as far as as they tell me. All right, well, let's get into a little bit of the meat of Saving Jason. What's the storyline for this one? Um, in Saving Jason, uh, Jason the father, because uh, his son is also named Jason, though he re- insists upon being called the kid. El- Jason the elder is um, investigating a, a series of, of small trades that look a little bit strange. And as he, he delves into this... Um, he finds that that the it grows and grows and becomes a much bigger um, issue for the firm and and for him to the point that he eventually has to go into the witness protection program and get reloaded relocated out to the southwest um, and he has to uproot his son um, and take him along for this and uh, the troubles with the son and uprooting him become the, the the whole second half of the book. And uh, the kid disappears. Was he kidnapped? Uh, are there bad people after Jason? Have they identified where he is and whatnot? And this is all the, the thriller aspects of the second half of the book. And uh, to get back to the relationship between the father and the son, there there's so much that I personally have learned in reading these books about dealing with uh, this type of, of an issue with a child, but there's a scene in this book, and it seems like there's always a scene in, in, in each of the books that teaches us something, but in this, in this book, there's a scene where the father is cooking a, a grilled cheese sandwich for his son, and he lets it overcook a little bit, and he does what any of us would do. If something, if a grilled cheese sandwich is overcooked on one side, we put the good side up and give it to our child and hope for the best, and the best was not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I I do love giving Jason these challenges <laughs> out, of, out of the most normal things that can happen in life, and and because of of who his son is and um, how his son deals with the world, uh, they become really dire situations, and um, and they're a lot of fun. Uh, I do um, a fair amount of of reading about. Um, Autism spectrum disorder. Um, I know a couple of people on on the spectrum, and I've been fascinated for a long time, long before I started writing these books. It's really an extraordinary thing for me. It's it's really like uh, strangers in a strange land. These these people and how they deal with the world as we know it is very very different. Now, do you ever meet um, like parents of autistic kids at uh, book events and things? And, and if so, what what do they say? Oh boy, uh, it, it it happens um, all the time, mm-hmm. and um, and they tell me that I've I you know they flatter me and tell me that I, I've I've really nailed it in terms of the reality of the situation. But um, more important to me is is that the they want to to share um, their experiences um, and uh, and really love reading about uh, those of of the kid um, and, and this goes for not just parents but grandparents and caretakers um, and and i've I've had uh, uh, so many 
really lovely emotional moments at signings because of this. And for me, I, like if I talked to a parent about an autistic child, I would, I would hear it and I would be empathetic, but I wouldn't really understand. But when I read your books, I, I understand because I'm coming at it from the position of the parent and it's, it, it really gives voice, I think, to, to the situation that they're in. And I, I suspect there are people who give your books to their friends uh, just as a way of saying, here's what I'm going through, without actually saying, here's what I'm going through. I, I, I would really hope so, yes. Um, I, I don't know that, that you know, if I were in, in the situation of, of having an, uh, autistic, a, a son or daughter on the spectrum myself, um, that that I'd be any better than anyone else. I, I I don't make any claims that way, but but somehow I have um, uh, fitted my consciousness into into this, and I can channel this somehow. And um, and I'm really glad I can. It's 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 a wonder. Now, another one of the things that I think separates your books uh, from, from the work of others is, is the background that you have. You, you come from Wall Street. You spent years at, at Wall Street in top-level positions. So when it comes to financial crime, you have a great deal of, of insight, and you share it in such a way that it's understandable for the reader. So I feel like I'm learning something while I'm reading the book and being entertained uh, which for me is 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 a big plus. How hard is it for you to take things that are pretty complicated and uh, make them understandable for readers? That aspect of the book has uh, of my books of the series has actually gotten easier over time because uh, I realize I don't have to write a how-to book, <laughs> which um, I kept pushing myself and and pushed by other people to, well, how do you really, how does that really work? And, um, and it's not, it's not really that germane. Um, you know, Agatha Christie could write about, uh, grandma's jewels being stolen. Well, mm -hmm. that's a financial crime. Everybody can understand the emotional import of it. And that's really what I want people to get is, is, uh, that there's something really important going on. And I think I get that across. All right. Now, I, I mentioned that you spent a number of years on Wall Street, and we all know what you Wall Street guys are like. You're, yes. you're totally driven. You're totally focused on money. That's your only concern in the world. And imagine my surprise when I learned that you were an actor for several years, apparently prior to going on to Wall Street. So there's this other side of you that I never knew existed. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> That was my first career, and I um, I worked as an actor uh, uh, in on on stage quite a bit, um, and then took a year and said I'm just going to work here in New York and do what I can, and I and I ended up being on every soap being shot in New York during that's, the year. That's got to be is that a record or is that just something that's fairly common for for New York actors? Oh. Uh, Every Broadway show you go to now, um, you see in the credits, Law and Order. <laughs> you know, it, it, at the time, soaps was, was uh, that was the town industry. And if, you know, you, I don't think I was alone in that by any means. Now, in, in, on your website, it, it shows a little bit of the diversity of what you did as an actor. You mentioned uh, the soap operas. 
Uh, there are also a couple of different Shakespearean type things that you've done, as well as uh, performing on some at some place called the comedy stage. So it, you, you sort of yeah. work across the spectrum. The comedy stage company was uh, an off-Broadway company in the '70s, early '80s, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, and uh, and and I did a number of shows with them. I don't know that that everyone who who, uh, who went through there claims it as a credit, but there were people like Rhea Perlman who came through and worked a couple of shows together. Um, it, it was it was a good place to start. Um, and yes, I also did Shakespeare work, <laughs> New Jersey Shakespeare Festival, and uh, the uh, precursor for the Shakespeare Theater, Washington, the Folger. I also did quite a bit with a, a group in Washington, New Playwrights Theater of Washington. Mm-hmm. And I think people can hear your voice, and I can just picture you up on the stage with this big booming voice, uh, just <laughs> carrying carrying a role. How how does that kind of training, if it does, it help you at all with with your career as an author now? Uh, in, in 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 two ways. In one way, I, I really have no fears about standing up in front of a group of people and talking about my books. That's a big one, because a lot of people do have that fear. Yeah. Um, but as I'm writing the book, uh, I get to act out, uh, at least in my mind, all of these characters and and really try and experience what they're experiencing um, the way an actor would. I, I, I explore their backstories um, and really try to feel and project those feelings into words of, of what they're going through. And does being an actor who has spoken the lines written by other people help you with dialogue? Uh, I think the, the, the aspect of, of, of hearing cadences, um, uh, sometimes written by other people, but also hearing the cadences of, of different kinds of People's speech um, is is something that an actor has to learn. It's got to be part of his uh, you know, bag of tricks, and, and that uh, that I definitely use and um, enjoy using quite a bit. Well, this has been fun. We've been chatting with Michael Sears about his new thriller, Saving Jason. Michael, I'm assuming you can find this novel anywhere great books are sold, beginning today, right? Beginning today, yes, it will be everywhere. It will be uh, um, as an ebook as well. Um, so it's it's out there. All righty. And where can listeners find you online? Um, MichaelSears.com. Uh, and you can find me also on, on Facebook um, and Twitter. All right. Well, Michael, thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed this book and, and can't recommend it enough to listeners who like thrillers with a financial edge. Thank you very much, Stephen. In a world where hundreds of new books are released every day, how can readers find yours? I'm Stephen Campbell. I'm the CEO of Camven Media. What we do is provide digital assets and strategies to help authors find and keep new readers and fans. That's the way I pay the bills. But in this show, you and I indulge our shared love of mysteries and crime novels by spending time with the people who write them. Well, that was fun. Thanks, Michael, for being here. I really do enjoy this series, and I, I think you would enjoy it as well. If, if, you're, if you're into this kind of book, financial, thrillery kind of things, give it a try. I think you'll like it. 
Speaking of recommendations, I asked you guys for recommendations a few weeks ago, and Bruce Cantwell emailed me with one, The Cocktail Waitress. I think I mentioned this in an earlier, after an earlier episode. Bruce is a guy who loves crime fiction the way that we all do, and he's a big supporter of the genre in addition to being a darn good writer in his own right. You can learn more about Bruce at brucecantwell.com. But anyway, I started and finished The Cocktail Waitress on Saturday afternoon. It's a noir-ish kind of book written by James M. Cain in the afterword, not written by the author. He died before this was published. He was 83 years old when he wrote this book, which is extraordinary, and it was a fun book to read. Uh, so thank you, Bruce, for that. A couple other things. The, we did video last week for the first time, and the results were eh, not, not fabulous. I had some, some struggles with the audio, and I, I sort of, there was a little bit of a disconnect for about a minute between the audio and the video. Uh, I'm, I'm not convinced whether or not, that's the wrong way of phrasing it, I'm not sure whether or not YouTube is a good vehicle for this type of an interview. I'll probably try it again, but the results were, I, I guess we could say mixed, or we could just say they were not great. Uh, too much additional work for uh, you know the few additional people that, that had the opportunity to see it. But I'll, I'll try it again, and if it seems like there's going to be some interest, we'll do more of them. But I have a feeling that it may just uh, fade away like so many things in life. I, and one, one last thing. I don't know whether or not you remember it, but I mentioned, I think it was after the Lawrence Shames interview uh, a couple of weeks ago, a series that I had read or was actually in the process of reading, a romantic suspense series, the Nadia Wolf series about a female poker player in Las Vegas. I finally finished that series. I, you know, it's just a fun series to read. And I'm interviewing her later today. So I'm excited about that. I hope the interview goes well. And that particular interview will be released on February 11th. So what's up with you? What are you, what are you reading? Or maybe writing, or maybe you're digging through snow so you can get out of the driveway. I don't, I don't know. It's it's actually hot down here for a change. It's been it's been cool, then cold, cloudy, gloomy. The the rainiest January I think we've ever had down here in Naples, and now it's hot again. So uh, that's good. It's good for us that it's hot, and I hope the weather is good where you are. Anyway, email me. Let me know what's going on in your lives. I love hearing from you. Steve at camvenmedia.com. 